0: Alright, in Romans 3.23, here's the first passage. We'll put it on the screen for you. Romans 3.23 says this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Number one, you can write this down in your bulletin if you're a note taker. Receive the free gift of eternal life. God wants you to know once and for all that you can't earn your way into heaven. It is a free gift that you simply stretch out your hands to receive. You can't earn it. He has to give it to you. It's a free gift, and it's eternal. It's forever. Salvation is free. This is called the gospel. The gospel is the good news, that Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth. That's Christmas. He lived the perfect life and never sinned once. He died on the cross, substituting himself for you. He took the full penalty of God on himself, and then on the third day, he rose to life. In front of his disciples and eyewitnesses, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he now has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's the gospel. And if you believe that, then you receive the free gift of eternal life. It says here we need this gift because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. You can write this down. Receive the free gift of eternal life. Why? Because we've fallen short of God's glory. We've fallen short. The Bible comes up with many ways to describe our relationship to God. One way that the Bible describes our relationship to God is falling short. And the glory of God is the, uh, is the emanation of His being. The glory of God is who He is. And, and we're supposed to live to glorify Him. We're supposed to be living proof of who God is and what He's done. But we fall short of that. We can't live the life that God has designed us to live because of sin. So we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, when it comes to the idea of falling short, I discovered the most amazing sport that I never knew existed. And I promise you that you are going to decide that after today, this is your favorite sport, too. I don't care if hockey was your favorite sport. You are about to have a new favorite sport. Uh, The new favorite sport came out of the Netherlands, and it's called fiedeljepen. In fact, I'd like you to learn that word. Say fiedeljepen. All right. Behold your new favorite sport. On aga de ma, zijn eerste FK sprong. Zit voor de lekker in de stapje. Zit daar voor de lekker. Amsterdam vult mijn gedachten als de mooiste stad in ons land. Aan die Amsterdamse mensen, al die lichtjes avonds laten op het niemand kan zich Peter wensen aan een Amsterdammer te zijn. Er staat een huis aan de gracht in oud Amsterdam. Whoops. You're welcome! You're welcome! Say it with me, fiedeljepen. My wife is 100% Dutch, I'm scoring huge points on her side of the family by even showing that. All right. Now what, what captivated me by that new sport? is they're they're canal jumping, but they turned it into this huge thing where they're like trying to like cling for dear life, climb as high as they can, and then make it to the other side, and often they don't. And I mean, if we tried that today, we'd end up like those two people at the end. I mean, it would just be a dismal failure, right? Now, I show you that because the idea of falling short, those last two people who tried it fell short. They didn't make it to the other side, all right? Now, when the Bible describes us getting to heaven, here's what it says. If you think that you're going to make it by your own effort, you're going to fall short. I, I imagine if I stood you know, at the edge of the Grand Canyon with, with one of those poles in my hand. And you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to make it to the other side. You're like, no, you're not. No, I am. My pole is the highest of any other pole in the world. It doesn't matter. No, I'm going to climb higher than anyone else's other climb. No, you're going to go down. All right? And trying to get to heaven by your own religious works, by your own good deeds, by I'm going to get higher than other people, I'm better than other people, is the same as trying to get across the Grand Canyon with a stick. It's not going to work. You can't get from earth to heaven by climbing as high up the moral ladder as you want. We've all fallen short, and we can't make it to heaven. Another way to think about it is you've fallen short of the qualifications, the qualifications. You've disqualified yourself from heaven. So I like to run. Here's a picture of me running at the beginning of a race. It's a good picture. See, look at, look at how energetic I look, right? I love to run. I've run two marathons, six half marathons, and at the beginning of the race, I feel terrific. And then here's me by the end. By the end of the race, I'm just like, somebody, anybody help me. Get me out of this. I can't even move. At the end of the Chicago Marathon, the last few miles was like a zombie apocalypse. People were not running, they were walking like this. They were, barely, they were trying, they were crawling to the finish line, right? And uh, now I know what it's like to run, but you know, I, I was curious about the Boston Marathon because that's like the, uh, you know, the highest uh, thing you can do. And so I looked into it. Do you know that to qualify for the Boston Marathon, I would have to shave an hour and a half off of my marathon running time, okay? <laughs> And I've got one word for you. Nope. <laughs> nope. There's no way I'm going to do a full marathon in an hour. Those people are crazy. So I cannot qualify for the Boston Marathon. And the idea of falling short of the glory of God is you will never qualify for heaven. You, if you pulled it up on heaven's website and you're like, is my time fast enough? Was I good enough? What? No. No. Because the qualifications are... Perfection, perfection. Well, that seems like such a high bar. Why would God? Do? Because it's heaven, and how much sin do you want in heaven? My answer: none, zero. So if you're like, "Well, I'm good enough," that means you're going to bring some sin into heaven, and you're going to ruin it for the rest of us. Okay, no sin in heaven. Sin in heaven means it's not heaven. So you agree that you want a place to live forever, free of sin. But what we don't agree with is that is the entrance. Qualification. We don't agree that you have to be perfect to get in, but that is the qualification. Therefore, we all have to admit as a starting point that we fall short of God's glory. We've splashed into the river. We can't get to the other side. We've fallen short. Why? Well, jot this down. Because we're trapped in sin. It says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word redemption there means to purchase, which means we're sold into sin. It's like we're slaves of sin, and somebody has to come up and buy us out of it. Uh, that, that talks of the power of sin. We can't get free from the power of sin, but we also can't pay the price that our sins have, have merited, the debt. We can't pay the debt. So we are trapped in sin, and God offers us redemption in Christ Jesus. Easter is the only solution to our sin problem. The only way we can get out from under the power of sin is if someone pays our debt for us, and that debt was paid at the cross. Another way the Bible describes our great need is it talks about our soul, and it doesn't matter. If you go you know, to the hospital and say, hey, I'd like a soul check, they'd look at you funny, okay? They'd be like, we've got a ward for people like you. Let me introduce you <laughs> to a few of my friends. No, I just want my soul check. We don't have the machinery, All right? But when the Bible gives you a soul check, It says that your soul is stained, dark, black, and you can't scrub it out, right? And so our souls are stained. And the Bible says the only way to get our souls clean is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though our sins are scarlet and red, he can wash them white as snow. I shared a quote on Good Friday that I want to share with you today about the power of the cross. It would be staggering, I said, to wash the sea of its salt, Or the sky of its clouds, or the earth of all trees, or the night of all stars. But it is more staggering that Christ washed away all our sins at the cross. You can't scrub the ocean clean of salt, and you can't scrub your soul clean of sin. But Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. So number one, have you received the free gift of eternal life? Because we've fallen short of the glory of God because we're trapped in sin? Now that comes from Romans 3, 23 to 24. Um, we're going to turn now to Romans 6. Turn to Romans 6, 22 to 23. <clears throat> and this is another group of verses from the Romans Road. Romans six, twenty-two to 23. And number two, you can... Um, well, we'll read the verses and then we'll write it down. It says in Romans six, twenty-two to 23, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you can write this down. Be set free from sin's power and penalty. Be set free from sin's power and penalty. It says here you've been set free and become slaves of God. What does that mean? Is God like a slave owner? Is he like, a, is he like this tyrant? No. It means that as a slave to sin, he buys you out of that and brings you into his service. It means that he has work for you to do. He wants to put you to work. He wants you to to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people as you serve him. That's a joy. He could have just been like, all right, you're saved, go sit in the corner and don't say anything until I come back for you. Okay. Instead, he's like, I've got some work for you to do. I've got some assignments with your name at the top. I want you to do my work. Wow, what a joy. So it says here that we have become slaves of God. And then it says... Uh, The fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, there it is again, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have to be set free from sin's power and penalty. Now we have to understand the order of how this happens. First we're set free, then we get to enjoy the abundant life God has for us. First we're set free, then he makes us new. For many of us, we actually get this backwards our whole lives. We think that this life is one step up after another, trying to please God, and then in the end we find out if we go to heaven or not. It's not the way it is. Right away we get saved and set free, and then God spends a whole lifetime transforming us, not because we're under his judgment and law, you know, but because we're afraid of him. No, because we're his children, and because he parents us, and because he grows us to be more like him. So jot this down. First be saved then God will transform you. First be saved, then God will transform you. Uh, In 1517, there was a monk named Martin Luther, one of the men who lit the fuse of the Reformation. Maybe you don't know Martin Luther's story. Uh, We have a picture here of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was scared one day, and uh, a lightning bolt went off, and he was afraid for his life, and he, he devoted himself, even though he could have done many other professions, very bright young man, he devoted himself to be a monk. So he joined as a Catholic monk and he, he uh, went off to the monastery and isolated himself and did everything that he was supposed to do. They would have a rigorous schedule. They would pray six times a day for 45 minutes a time. Imagine waking up at 2 a.m. every day to pray for 45 minutes every day. I couldn't handle that. And prayer every day and confession every day and fasting all the time. And he consecrated himself as a monk because he was afraid that he didn't measure up to God's standards. One year of this went by. Two years went by. Three years went by. He finally got to the point where he qualified to stand up in front of the church and offer his first communion. And he he was paralyzed with fear and guilt when that time came. And he whispered to the priest next to him, I can't do it. And, and he said, go go forward. And so he did. But he was haunted by the realization that even after all of this religious effort, he still had no peace in his soul. One time, he went to confession and prayed for six hours straight. When's the last time you did anything for six hours straight? Right? Like, I've slept for six hours straight, and that's about it. And he kept everything. He searched his whole heart. And and at one point, the person who he was confessing to yelled at him, Why are you still here? Like, they, they were fed up with his moral effort." And at the end of all of that, years of that, his soul still was not at rest. And finally, he was reading his Bible one day, which he wasn't supposed to be doing. He was reading his Bible. He was studying his Bible. And he came across the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, he read, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed From faith for faith, it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And he says in that moment, it was like he got struck by lightning again. Faith, it's faith. It's not my works. It's faith in Christ's work at the cross. That was the moment where everything changed for him. He realized he could never pile up enough merit to please God. It's only the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross and Martin Luther's faith in that effort that could get him into heaven as a free gift, a free gift. Hey, have you arrived at that conclusion or are you still wearing yourself out, trying to be more religious, trying to be a better person? Listen, stop struggling to do your best. Stop struggling to do your best and ask Jesus to accept you at your worst. That's your only hope. That's it. For many people in this room, religion has failed them. Like Martin Luther, he did everything they told him and it failed him. And maybe for you, you feel like, I spent my whole life going to church and I still have no peace. Maybe religion has failed you. Maybe the leaders have disappointed you or hurt you. Maybe you have failed religion. Maybe you realize that you've fallen short. I know what I was supposed to do, but I didn't do it. I, know, I knew the rules, but I broke them. Maybe you've failed religion. Listen, religious people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Are you a saved person? Are you a saved person? Be set free from sin's power and penalty. First be saved, then God will transform you. Being saved comes first, being transformed comes second. Sometimes people will say to me, Oh, if I only had more faith, if I were only like Daniel. No, it's not the point. It's not you climbing a ladder up to God. It's God climbing down to get you and pulling you up to safety. It's not your work. It's Christ's work that saves you. Are you trusting in Christ's work? First be saved, then God will transform you. Jot this down. Receive heaven as a gift, not a reward. You know it says, receive heaven as a gift, not a reward. It says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. The word there, sanctification, means to be transformed. So the fruit, it's like it grows up from the soil. After you're saved, what grows up from the soil is you're transformed. You're made different. And in the end, it's eternal life, which means you get to live forever. But you receive heaven as a gift, not as a reward. How will your story end? God really wants you to ask this question. Will you have eternal life? Will you go to heaven? How will your movie And do you know, or is it like, I don't know, I'm going to be surprised. The Avengers movie is coming out in a week, and Marvel is very upset because someone leaked the entire film online. The whole thing. And, um, And so now Marvel doesn't know what to do, because the whole film is out there. Now, would anyone care if I shared an Avengers Endgame spoiler that I found online? So, here it is. Thanos is Darth Sidious. Thanos is a Sith. Who saw a Star Wars Marvel crossover coming? I can't wait to see Hulk fight Yoda. It's going to be the best thing that's ever happened on cinema. I'm joking. I would never share a spoiler to a movie that everyone's very excited to see, okay? But the Bible is the opposite. It's trying to spoil the ending for you now. Look at it, look at it, look at it. I don't want to watch it. Look at it! Because it wants you to see if you're going to heaven or not, right? And when you get up there, if you don't end up going to heaven, the last thing God wants is for you to be like, how come no one told me? No one told me. He wants you to know. What's the ending? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven? Well, how do I know? Well, it says here the wages of sin is death. So if you're trying to merit your way, work your way, earn your way into heaven, the wages, the paycheck is going to be death. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. My first job ever was mowing lawns. You know, just kind of got paid cash. Then my second job ever was I worked at McDonald's. I was a fry cook. And I got paid for that. And then uh, while I was working at McDonald's, uh, then I got a job at Walmart. I got to push shopping carts around. I cleaned the lot out of carts and helped people put stuff in their cars, and I got paid. Walmart. While I was working at Walmart, I also got this side job where a dental technician made like dental implants, like teeth, and then I would deliver the, the teeth from the technician to the dental office, and then the dentist would put the teeth back in the mouth. I was like a reverse tooth fairy. Like, because of me, teeth went back into the mouth. So... Yeah, so I, I delivered teeth, tooth delivery, and I got paid for that. Then I got a job as a teacher, oh, as a DJ. I got to DJ parties in college. That was the best job because I got to go to other people's parties and get paid for it. So I was a DJ. Uh, that DJ company was also an entertainment company, so I did, like, costume character jobs. I was a Power Ranger at one point. <laughs> There's video out there somewhere. If you find it, destroy it. Uh, the Power Ranger, right? Uh, And then I got a job as a teacher. I taught third grade, then fourth grade, and then I got a job as a youth pastor, and now I'm a senior pastor. Now, I've gotten paid for all those jobs, okay? And if if there was no wages attached to them, I don't know if I would take a one of them because you do the work. You know, what was I doing in a Power Rangers costume? You know, getting paid, right? And how long would you stay at your job if you sat down Monday morning and your boss was like, sorry, we ran out of money. We're not going to be able to pay you anymore. We just want you to do us a favor, would you go home? Would you go home? Yeah, yeah. But you're like never gonna pay me. No, we're not gonna pay you ever again. I'm out of here. Even worse, what if they told you you got to keep working here? But on Friday we're gonna kill you. <laughs> How long would you keep working at that job? We're gonna kill you. Do you mean you're gonna kill me? We're gonna kill you. Death. The wages of sin, the paycheck of sin, the outcome of sin, the thank you that sin hands you at the end of your life is death. If we don't get off of that track, if, we're not, if we don't quit our job under sin, we're, we're going to go to hell and be away from God forever. And there are people there right now who got their wages and that's that. Have you been set free from sin's power and penalty? First you have to be saved, then God will transform you. Then you have to realize that you have to receive heaven As a gift, not a reward. Eternal life is a gift, not a reward. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, the Bible is clear that all your days have been numbered since the day you were born, and God knows them. There's a day on the calendar circled, and then your time will be up. And there's nothing you can do to change that date. When you're called up, you're ready or you're not. And if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're ready. And if you're not, then you're not. But maybe God brought you here today to get your soul ready for the ending that he wants you to enjoy. Receive heaven as a gift, not a reward. That's eternal life. Number one, receive the free gift of eternal life. Number two, be set free from sin's power and penalty. Jot this down. Number three, call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we're going to Romans chapter 10 now. You can turn to Romans chapter 10, 323, 623, 57 to 8, we did on Friday, and now we're going to Romans 10. This is the Romans road. It's one of the best ways to share the gospel, uh, most simple way to cover all of the basics. So in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10, it says this Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It says here that we have to confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Lord is a title for God. Um, It doesn't say that you have to confess that Jesus is just a good teacher or a moral man or one of the greats like Confucius, right? No, he's Lord. Lord means he has all power over nature, all power over sin, all power over demons, all power over governments. He has all power over you. And who is Jesus to you? Sometimes Jesus would just say to people, who do you say I am? And that's the most important question that you'll ever answer in this life. Jesus is looking at you and saying, who do you say I am? Who, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who, who do you say I am? And he looks into your heart. We learned last week that God is the God who searches hearts. You can't hide. You can hide in a room, right? Like right now, you can hide behind the person in front of you. I don't want him to look at me, right? You can't hide your heart from heaven. God looks into the heart and he knows how you're responding to the truth that you're hearing. And have you ever said Jesus is Lord? Have you ever said it with your lips? Have you ever said it out loud? Jesus is Lord. Have you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The truth of the resurrection? If then, then you are saved. Because with your heart you believe and are justified. And with your mouth you confess and you're saved. When Jesus becomes Lord to you, you lose the right to become the chairman of the board of your own life. You you can't just have Jesus as a little footnote in your story. You can't have Jesus as a patch that you sew onto your sash of good things. Jesus isn't just a little bumper sticker. You don't add him to your life. Uh, I read one pastor who said this. Jesus is not an addition to my life. He's the alternative to it. Has Jesus become the alternative to you ruling you? If I ask the three or four people who know you the best, your kids or your spouse. Is this person a sold-out follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would they hesitate? Would they, would they know? Would they say yes immediately? Or do the people who know you best wonder who Jesus is to you? I told this story before about how Lauren and I went to a restaurant on a date night, and the restaurant got everything wrong. They messed up the food. They messed up the silverware was dirty. We ordered a dessert. They didn't bring it out. They still charged us for it. There was music that was too loud going on. And I went up to the owner or the manager of the restaurant with the bill and I said, you guys did everything wrong. And I listed everything they did wrong. And I said, should I pay this bill? He goes like this. I'm like, right, I shouldn't pay it, right? And there were people in line waiting, so I made it, I made it a point to be really loud. I was like, I shouldn't pay this, right? He's like, no. I said, are you a Christian? And he goes like this. <laughs> what is this? Just, just imagining him in front of the pearly gates. Are you, are you a Christian? It'll get me in, you know. And I said, Well, I'm a Christian and I want to teach you a word, and the word is grace. You don't deserve me to pay this check, but I'm going to pay it as a gift. I'm going to put a sweet tip on there and never forget that this is the only way you can get into heaven. Someone gives you something that you didn't deserve. And he was grateful and stunned. Maybe you're still at the point where someone's like, Is Jesus your Lord? You're like, Doing one of these. That's not good enough. Have you called upon Jesus as Lord and do those around you who know you best agree that Jesus is Lord? Jot this down. You have to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You have to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. If your response to that is, I just have a hard time believing something like that, join the club. Do you know who believed the Easter the first time it happened? Nobody! None of the disciples was sitting by the tomb with a bucket of popcorn. This is going to be fantastic. (laughs) Those Roman soldiers are going to get it. (laughs) The women were coming to the tomb with spices. Why? To prepare a body to rot forever. So if we wanted to reenact the first Easter, what I'd do is I'd say, Hey, church, stop by Michael's, pick up some potpourri. And a lot of glade, because we're going over to the graveyard, and we're going to crack a tomb open. Okay, Bring your nose plugs and we're going to get this decomposing body ready to stay in the grave for a good few hundred years. Okay? Meet you at the cemetery. Happy Easter. And then we'd walk in and it would be empty and we'd be like, what's going on? That's Easter. All right? Jesus had to convince everybody he rose from the grave. So if you're like, I have a hard time believing that, it's very biblical. But the fact that Jesus could convince his own half-brother, James, the fact that he could convince all the disciples who doubted and abandoned him, the fact that he could convince the apostle Paul, you really have to understand that this is convincing. It's convincing that he rose from the grave. I wasn't convinced until I was a freshman in college. Here's a picture of me in college with my girlfriend Lauren. Check it out. That's me and my girlfriend. Lauren, she wanted to date the bad boy. Ha ha, future pastor's wife. <laughs> There I am. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't convinced. And then I started going to church with a bass player in my metal band and I heard about Jesus rising from the dead and I started asking all these questions and finally I got to the point where I'm like, this is true. I like took a world religions class and I was like, this is true. Jesus died and he rose again and I need to give my life to him. So then I did and then I got baptized. Do you want to see my baptism video? They made me wear a dress. Check it out. There it is. Go ahead and show the baptism video. Ryan Hall, why do you believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins, and have you by faith received Him as your own personal Lord? So, Ryan, based on your testimony of faith in Christ, I'm going to baptize you, my brother, in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the lifeless midden, raised. Hey, I wasn't convinced took me way too long to figure it out. But I'm convinced now, and I've never been more convinced, that this Jesus is Lord and Savior. I don't know. Maybe you're at a point where you're still confused and you have questions that need answering. Maybe you know it's time. Maybe you know it's time to give your life to Jesus Christ. You have enough proof. You were raised better than that. And you just need to surrender your life to the one you know rules heaven. But believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. And then this is great news. It says at the end, uh, chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Write that down. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can be saved. You can be raised. You can be justified. The word justified means that you are made legally right in God's court of law. You have nothing to fear on judgment day. Because you've called on the name of the Lord, everyone who's called on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you understand what happened at the cross? Jesus gave his life for you to pay the penalty for your debt, the righteous for the wicked, so that your debt can be paid off and so that you can go free. John Stott says this, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Have you given your life to him? Have you made it known to those around you that you believe that Jesus is Lord? This is the only way you can get from one side to the other. You can't get from earth to heaven any other way. You can't climb high enough on the moral pole to get from earth to heaven. When you're standing in line and God says, why should I I let you into heaven? The only right answer is, I'm with Christ. I'm with him. He took my debt away. He took my sin away. I'm with him. Have you gotten to the point where you have said Jesus is Lord? Are you saved? I want to give you a chance to respond to what you've heard today by asking Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. You have to say it. You have to get to the point in your life where you say it. Jesus is Lord. It's not enough to have warm feelings about God. It's not enough to believe in God. Even the demons do that. There comes a point in life where God drives you to the conclusion that Christ the Lord came into the world for you to save sinners. There comes a point in life where you realize that you're holding on to false assurance of going to heaven because you think you're doing it, but you can't. Or maybe you're holding on to no assurance and you think God would never let you in, but that's false. Jesus came into the world to save you, but you have to say it. You have to say it. You have to say it. Jesus is Lord. And today is the day where you can say it. Today is the day where you must say it. The Bible says today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Today. God wants you to say it today. He wants you to nail it down today. There are some people in this room who have given their lives over to Christ within the past five years. Raise up your hand if you've given your life to Christ within the past five years. You put up a good fight, but you finally laid down your arms, and within the last five years you've given your life to Christ. That's amazing. I'd I'd love for you to be a great example to other people in this room. If you've given your life to Christ within the last five years, I want to give you the chance to just say it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Go ahead. Say it. It took a while, didn't it? Some of you put up a big fight, but you got to the point where you said it. And I got to the point where I said it. And maybe God is prompting some of you to say it this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close our eyes right now and bow our hearts for a time of prayer. But this is going to be an opportunity that I'm going to give to you, not to people who have already put their faith in Jesus, but to people who are experiencing a new beginning with God right now. I'm going to give an opportunity right now to people who are experiencing something powerful with God that maybe you didn't even expect. If you're feeling like God is prompting you right now to give your life to Christ, I'm going to give you a chance to really do something that we ordinarily don't do in church. We ordinarily don't give people the chance to just shout out. It's usually frowned upon. We usually don't give people a chance to just yell something out. But maybe you're an extrovert and you really don't have a problem with that. Maybe you have been driven to the point of your need And you know it's time. But I'm going to give you the chance right now in the quiet of this room as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed to say it. To say it and mean it. I'm going to give you the chance perhaps for the first time to say Jesus is Lord. To say Jesus is Lord. To say it and to mean it. And right now I'm going to stop talking and this is your chance if you're feeling led to give your life to Christ say it say Jesus is Lord Hear people saying it, why not say it a little louder? Say it. Say Jesus. miss it yet. This is your chance to say it. God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son to save you. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. so many have responded by faith here and it doesn't matter if they said it loudly it doesn't matter if they whispered it under their breath Lord it doesn't matter if because of the, because they're overwhelmed with your grace they, they can't even say it right now they're speechless you see their heart but Lord for those who have said Jesus is Lord I just want to remind them that you promised you will never leave them you promised you will never forsake them you promised that you went to heaven to prepare a place for them. And therefore, based on what the Bible says, I pray that those who walked into this room today without a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would leave filled with confidence that because Jesus finished it at the cross, because he is their Lord, that they will go to heaven. May they stop trying to do their best and may they come to you at their worst and there receive the free gift of eternal life. Remind them that they will. there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Fill them with joy. Fill them with peace. Fill them with all the love of heaven and help them to live their lives out of love for you. This is our prayer and all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing one more song today.